Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Web3 Ed Podcast, where we speak to students, builders, and entrepreneurs in the Web3 and education space. Our guest this week is Bodo. Bodo and me met a few months back when he was building a protocol focused on knowledge mapping. His story is incredible, and he's an incredible entrepreneur, so I know you're going to love this episode. So stay tuned, but first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BATH. BATH stands for the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation, and they are a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to accelerating the development and adoption of Web3. BATH hosts networking and educational meetups and supports blockchain clubs at universities worldwide. BATH's sponsors and supporters include NIR and the Algorand Foundation, who help BATH launch more educational activities. To learn more, follow the Blockchain Acceleration Foundation on Twitter. Are you sick of expensive classes that don't help you in today's competitive work environment? Educoin was too. So we built a decentralized learning management system that allows any teacher to host an open access industry-sponsored class. If you're a teacher and want to learn more about how you can build the class of the future or a student looking to grow your career, visit educoin.store to see how they are helping students, teachers, and employers connect to make a more healthy secondary education ecosystem. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Web3Ed podcast. I'm here with Bodo, who is my friend from a while back now and another member of the Ed3DAO. So welcome to the show, Bodo. Hi. Good to join you. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you into the EdTech space. You have a great story, so feel free to share it. Um, well, yeah, coming into the ed tech space took a while. Um, I didn't want anything to do with education once I left school at, at 18. Um, but um, my background is in entrepreneurship. I developed a a, uh, um, a learning management system that was, was taken on by Google. Um, and since then, I've been focusing my effort on collective intelligence. How do we rapidly scale the rate at which we can learn things and then also apply that learning to actually do things? But, but in a context of putting the power on, um, on the learners and the experts as opposed to um, any, anyone else. So really empowering the learners to take control. Um, so I've been working for, for the last 10 years on, on this research project, collective intelligence type engine. How do we, how do we build this? Um, started off in refugee camps and conflict zones, uh, mainly in East Africa, and then moved to higher ed and, and K-12. Um, doing ex- some experiments there, but also experiments in non-traditional learning environments um, in India, Japan, US, and Europe mostly, and and a bit of in, a bit in Africa where I, where I grew up. Um, but that, that's that's a bit of a bit of the background. And 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 since then, um, we we together with with three other co-founders um, who 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 all have have in, interesting backgrounds in AI. Uh, we've created this new AI product. It's it's a part of three things that we're building. This AI product is a tool that can rapidly accelerate the rate at which we can generate e-learning content. Uh, so think of it like a generative AI, um, but instead of you providing it a text prompt, you could provide it any documents you have. Um, and, uh, and then it would rapidly generate e-learning content from that. So if we think of the problem at the moment, 
it takes teachers and instructional designers and people like uh, people in that, in that role. It takes them hours and hours and hours to generate this content, um, in, generate e- in- interesting e- e-learning content from static documents uh, that are generated. Uh, it takes them hours, but um, our AI is able to do that in in minutes. Um, so that's that's part of what we do. And then we the re- the the reason why we got to to talk was because of the protocol. Uh, and that's something we're building on top of this AI too. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. So yeah. before we get into the technical and the AI side, which I had the pleasure of demoing a little bit and, and talking to you about already, yeah. can we talk a little bit about your background, how that's shaped what you're working on now? So first, I want to talk about your first company. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show. How did you build that LMS and what was it like selling to Google? And And I guess, you know, I know Google does a lot now with AI. Did you... Are you using anything that you were in there? Has that been a piece of what you're doing now? Tell me a little bit about that experience. Yeah, that, that wasn't my first. My first was actually a a company that that processed Australian visas. This was this was a really long time ago. Um, but um, since my my process all along was um, uh, tapping into the collective intelligence of people around me to try and solve problems really really quickly. Um, I didn't know anything about Australian visas, for example, but we needed to to build a solution. So, so who can help me with parts of that project, right? So, I needed someone who specialized in in IVR systems. So, who can I reach out to that? I need someone uh, who specialized in in legal compliance. Okay, who can I reach out for that? And then bolting on, you know, th- their their advice and the, these other people's advice, put bolting it together and and generating a, a, um, something viable from that. Um, that's the approach I've been I've been using for for a long time, and it's just moved and morphed into well, you know, collective intelligence is huge, has has huge potential, um, and not many people really tap into that. So so let 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 me try and build an engine for that. Um, that's really how it goes. Um, the the experience with Google was was pretty mundane. Um, it wasn't a great exit. Uh, it was just uh, you know ninety nine percent of of things being <clears throat> things being sold to Google are just mundane, boring exits. Um, and that was one of them. Mine, mine was one of them. Gotcha. Very cool. And did you stay with Google at all? Just out of curiosity. Um, I worked at that campus, Mountain View campus on and off for like six months. Um, this was during that process. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Cool. And are, are they still, you know, heavily in the learning space? You know, I, I know Google Drive and tools are used by teachers, obviously, but, you know, is it still something they're they're doing? Do you know much about that by chance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially with with um, with their work on AI tools, but they've got Google tools for educators. They've got Google Classroom, which is being used by, I can't remember the name, 400 million, 400 million educators around the world. I mean, it's huge. Um they they've got obviously Chromebooks, which which have totally saturated the market here in the U.S. Um, and these are all geared towards educators. Um, so they have a big presence in in, in education. Uh, one of the goals, well, the primary goal of Google is to um, I forget the exact way they they phrase it, but it's to to categorize and make accessible human information. And part of that is making sure it's available as part of a, an educational framework. Um, they're not really great at that, and they know, because um, at the moment, if you go to Google search, um, you have to go through tons and tons of pages to find what you do, what you want. Uh, but they're working on that just like OpenAI is. Um, so you've probably heard of of their Bard AI, which is being launched very soon. 
to try and, and, and compete with chat GPT and open AI. Um, but yeah, they, they're working on that too. Yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, uh, you know, you had the encyclopedia and, and all of these textbooks that you would reference obviously for knowledge and then Google kind of circumventing that, you know, by making a, a publicly accessible uh, you know, yeah. way to yeah, yeah. access knowledge. And now we're at AI where it's, it's actually generating answers and giving you the best curated version of all of these things you'd previously have to kind of click through and skim through. Mm-hmm. So it's wild to see how it evolves. You know, another question I wanted to pick at with your background is you talked about working in communities across the globe, Africa, India, yeah, yeah. and it appears to me that, you know, learning might be disrupted more in those communities than in the U.S. where colleges are, are slow to move so, yeah. and have a lot yeah. of, of power. Tell me some of what you've learned working in those communities and how you kind of view their approach to education and entering the workforce. Um, so so one thing to to note is I, I didn't work with any institutions. I I. I um, focus my effort only on learners. Like, what do the learners need? If we can solve their problems, you know, who cares about the institutions in that in that in that sense? Not that I don't care about institutions, but that was my focus. So, what do learners want? Well, there's there's three things that learners want, and this is across the board, right? So, speaking to refugee kids, speaking to to um, to 45 year olds in India that are just you know tired of of working in their jobs. What do they want? Well, one is help me find things that that inspire me. Help me help me find something that taps into my own intrinsic motivation. That is one. Um, two is help me become a master at that. I want to become a master at it. I want to become good at it. Um, and then three is help me use that mastery to actually change the world in some way. Um, those are the three things that learners across the board need and, and want. So so let's solve those three problems. Let's let's not care about anything else. Let's solve those three problems because if we can solve those, then then that's then that's. Um, that that addresses most of the challenges. For that sure. was my my focus, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I, you know, when you kind of move forward here, when you think a student or a, of a learner that's going to engage, do you think that it's going to come down to, I guess, learning a skill via the platform, or is it mm-hmm. learning tools on the internet, such as like a yeah. CRM or a coding language, or mm-hmm. is it more, you know, still holistic? I, I guess, kind of. When you were abroad, how how was learning approached? Was it more specialized, I guess, and skill based, or is there still yeah. a place for holistic learning? Well, I, so so I think learning is changing and changing all over the world, um, especially in the developing world, who who are struggling far more than than us here in the develop in the developed world. Um, uh, they're they're actually ahead of the curve in in what we can expect in the coming years. Um, so what do I mean by that? So currently, if we look at public school systems, uh, 45% of what jobs they are preparing our kids to, to, to move into will be obsolete by the time the kids graduate, right? So could we could we assume that 45% of what they're they're spending their time on is 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 inefficiently spent? Another another key stat is to look at um, lifelong learning. Um, how much content within traditional courses, boilerplate courses, is relevant to the learner's current needs, right? What do they need to learn today? Well, if you look at that stat, um, 82% of content in, in courses is irrelevant to the learner's current needs. Um, and that means they're learning stuff that they won't use for, for a long time. And when they start to use it, they will have forgotten it. And just one, you know, think about when you went to college, what do you remember, um, you know, even, even just a semester past, you know, do you do you remember much of what you learned the the previous semester? Do you remember what much of what you learned the previous year? And the honest answer is <laughs> like no. Um, and so the reality is 
that that's a that's a weird st- statistics because that does that mean that 82% of the effort being spent on traditional education is 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 being inefficiently spent i mean that that's that's a crazy that's a crazy thought um so how do we address that well we address that by you know those three things that i told you learners want help me find things that i want to learn help me become a master at that at that something and then help me apply that directly to something that i need to do right if we can solve those two those three problems um, we can get around those challenges. So the the knowledge AI tool set that we're building is knowledge AI auto generates e-learning content, bite-sized e-learning content from from all the available content on the internet. So so now we have this that that package. the the second pro, the second thing we're building is knowledge graph, which is well, let's take these components we generated and let's map it out onto like a, a Google Maps for learning. Um, and, and think of this as a, as a multi-dimensional latent space. And then the third component we're building is the, is the GPS to guide you through that. So now a student can 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 query the this this structure. You know what? I want to build. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it'll link them to the relevant content. But also very importantly, because content isn't king, right? Content can maybe provide twenty percent of the learning experience. The other third of the learning experience is what you do with other learners. And then the final third of that learning experience is what you do with with uh, and your interactions with other learners and experts and and t- and quote unquote teachers um, that are around you, mentors and and, and folks like that. Uh, so so the protocol we we are working on is is there to address those things. And I think what it what it highlights is that educational institutions currently, especially in the developing world, are just ill suited to prepare kids for the for the modern world. Because they are, you know, 10, 20 years behind the ball. How do we solve that? Well, we solve that with this protocol where anyone can search for anything they they want and then auto-generate career paths and 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 um uh, career, yeah, career paths through this knowledge graph to to get you to that learning goal as quickly as possible. Sure. So let's go into that a little bit deeper. So there's there's yeah. two kind of aspects of your product that are fascinating. One is a protocol, correct, and one is yeah. an AI product. Uh, is that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can think of, yeah. Okay. Cool. So walk me through a little bit, and I, I understand this at, at a base level, but it might be helpful yeah. for the, the the listeners. So I come to your site, uh, which is kind of a culmination of these two products. How is AI being used, and how is the protocol being used, more or less in layman's terms, mm-hmm. and and how is it helping me as a as a teacher, as a student? Yeah. 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 Uh, so just for clarity, before I answer that question, the only product that is available today is Knowledge AI. So Knowledge Graph and Protocol is not yet available. It's only going to be available at the end of the year. But to answer that question, I can share with you a quick story of how this is used in the real world. So sure. while we, while we, uh, while I was working on this with the team and, and and everyone, my daughter suddenly got sick. She she lost the use of her arms and 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 she was paralyzed. Um, she she was uh, she contracted a rare polio-like illness, and she lost the use of her arms. There was no treatments we could afford. There was only a two percent chance of recovery, um, and and we spent the 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 first few nights in the hospital researching you know, what are possible solutions. So one of the possible solutions was to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. Um, some research scientists were working on this, but their research was closed. It was very it was very, uh, you know, siloed research, but it showed pretty good results. So the question that I had with my daughter was, well, could we build our own? 
Well, there's no course for how to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton, right? There's no learning resource for how to do that. And this is a perfect example of the use cases that our, that our learners need to, need to have a solution for today because we don't know what jobs are going to be available in the future. We don't know what problems they're going to need to solve in the future. So, and, that, and that was exactly the, the use case that we were in. So could we use the tools that we were building to try and figure this problem out? And so we used Knowledge AI to deconstruct everything we could about brain-controlled exoskeletons, right? So, so we used the first component to do that. Then we used Knowledge Graph to, to graph out a map. So you can think of this as a map of ignorance. It, it maps out all the concepts that we need to learn between our current understanding, which was almost zero, we didn't know anything about brain-controlled exoskeletons, all the way to the learning goal, which was to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. So everything in between, we had to map out. What are all the concepts that lie between that? Let us map that out. And then we use knowledge protocol to not only manage, map out the content, but also the learners and experts who are working on that same, on that same problem space. But notice that but in this problem space, we didn't map out experts who are experts at brain-controlled exoskeletons because there are really few of those. We mapped out experts at individual granular concepts that we needed to learn. So for example, we needed to learn about machine learning. So who's an expert at machine learning? We needed to learn about 3D printing. We needed to learn about uh, electronics and about um, signal processing, all of these different concepts and we needed to learn from, we, we needed to learn about. So the protocol put us in touch with those, with those experts. And finally, the, the result was we actually built it. We built it in seven months. We, we not only learned everything we needed to learn within seven months, but we actually applied that learning to actually build the exoskeleton within seven months. And this was completely unheard of. And because we were able to build it so quickly, um, we managed to, to build it in, in, at, at such a speed that it actually helped my daughter regain her motor neurons before the, the, the damage became permanent. And now she, she goes around the world and she shares that story. And the question I keep asking people is, would we have achieved that result had we used any other edtech platform or tool or even gone to any of the, the top schools in the world? And I think the honest answer is no, we'd probably be stuck on first year medical science. And so that's the type of use case I think this works really well with. Type yes. in, in, yep. Yeah, no, yep. I, I, you know, and uh, sorry to cut you off. So I yeah, just yeah, want to, yeah. so I understand correctly, is this working best when you have a clear but yet complex goal that you need to learn towards is is that is that where this this really shines is that really what this is built to to deconstruct those like say it's not as as simple as okay i want to learn how to use figma to make a login screen there's a million ways i can learn how to do that exactly. or yeah. Yeah. you know i want to learn how to do customer support and take calls okay that's that's a, a quick workshop this mm -hmm. is more I have a really complex thing I want to learn, but I don't even know all of, like how I would go about learning this, yeah. everything I would need to consider. That's what this tool was kind of built for. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you recall those three points I mentioned about the learners, the learners want to, the, the first point is help me find things I want to learn. This tool helps you find things you want to learn. You can search for whatever you want. Um, and this was, this was just a key insight we got in, working in refugee camps. We initially tried to teach these learners how to how to uh, we well we initially tried to teach them literacy and numeracy, um, but turns out that they don't want to learn that. I mean, sure, sure, they think it's useful, but they want to learn how to become a bicycle mechanic or how to become a nurse or how to solve a particular problem. These are kids in in a real world 
who want to, you, you know, they want to do something real. Sure, they they do want to learn how to read and write, but that's just a byproduct of of them going towards one of their learning goals. And so we take that same approach. Well, we know that these are the three things that learners want. The first point is help me find things I want to learn. So what tool can do that? Well, this tool we're building can do that. You type in whatever you want to learn. In my case, I wanted to learn how to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. In your case, that could be, I want to learn how to build a, a Web3 uh, e-commerce platform. In someone else's case, that could be, I want to solve climate change, whatever the case may be. It's just a matter of, of providing the, uh, the, the, the right tool to the learners to be able to then generate a map of all those concepts. I see. So I think I'm starting to understand this now. Let me walk uh, through an example I just kind of thought of and, and let me know because you know, if this would kind of work in your use case. So let's say I want to, something I hear from our students a lot, I want to start a business. I'm 19. I want to start my first business. Starting a business is actually a pretty complex problem, right? It's, there's a lot. Yeah. 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 So this, this, your AI, your, your, which is, is live or going live or in a Mm -hmm. closed beta, right? Um, It would first be able to break down business content for me. So, you know, how to create a business plan, do marketing, do design, whatever, yeah. you know, would go into this business yeah. that I'm building. The protocol then goes even deeper than that, connecting me to other people that have maybe started businesses or yeah. done unique aspects of yeah. the business, like a sales expert or something yeah. like that. Is that kind of the the use cases that this could help solve for? Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so again, that, that was one of the key insights that we learned at the refugee camp because we didn't have any access to teachers and 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 traditional educators. So how do we prove that you know what you're doing? Well, we prove you know what you're doing by having you teach your friends. So we built in this mechanism by you can you can achieve mastery points at a particular concept, but you achieve that mastery by proving you know what you're doing by teaching your friends. But it's through this method that you're able to tap into the collective intelligence of people around you to help you learn and get towards your goal. Very cool. And do you get some level of social capital, I guess, for being a teacher on this? Like say I'm someone yep. that wants to teach marketing, you know, online, digital marketing or discord management. Mm-hmm. I could not only create the classes on your platform, but I could kind of be a mentor and earn capital for helping others through the that's protocol. Right. Is that the yep. deal? That's yeah. Part of it. That's part of the protocol. And that's how we incentivize people to actually do that, that teaching. Uh, that's also how we how we're able to determine, okay, who are the best at this particular concept? Because companies are going to want to employ you. If you're the best at writing smart contracts and contracts in Rust, I mean, and 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 you've got proven points, uh, mastery points in that concept. I mean, people are going to be knocking at your door to to hire you. And so this is not only a mechanism by which we can determine who's the best at teaching, but also who's the best at at actually doing these concepts. Wow, that's that's awesome. So, uh, kind of something I'm thinking through here a little bit is right now most teachers in academia they do a lot of research and they kind of like yeah. you said they they teach kind of a curriculum that might not be updated very often or, or relevant. Yeah. You know, how do you assure that these curriculums are are relevant? How do you get the top you know attract the top people that are awesome Rust developers or mm-hmm. neuroscientists or AI yeah. builders? Yeah. How do you get them to create content uploaded? I guess is that part of the the tool is like they don't have to that do as much part anymore. Of the protocol, yeah, yeah, it's part of the protocol, and it's pro- it's one of the the key challenges within traditional education. In traditional education, even even um, even public schools, the 
the quote-unquote um, algorithm that they use to vet someone's qualifications is is almost like a black box. You don't know what's gone into that person's score. And that score is pretty high level, right? You don't know, well, they got a score of X, but what does that actually mean with this granular concept that, I, that I, I'm hoping they know about? So the protocol measures... Uh, measures your skills at a very granular level, but also the the algorithms that are used to determine the points you earn for particular activities that go towards a credential are all open, right? You know exactly how this person's earned those points. And if we determine later on, well, this algorithm we used wasn't very accurate, maybe we, we maybe we scored too many points or too little points, we can back we can back propagate those points uh, accordingly, right? This is something powerful. Another, just briefly, currently traditional education awards credentials, but they they award it without a timestamp and without the decay function. And this is critically flawed because if I've learned computer science 10 years ago, but I decided, well, you know what, I, I instead want to become a chef. And, and, and now, so I got my PhD in computer science, but I haven't been practicing it for 10 years. Well, does that mean I still have a PhD in computer science or at least the skills that represent that? The honest answer is hell no, um, I don't. And so the the proof of learning point, uh, the, the protocol takes into account the decay function of how you earn those points in the first place. And that's, and that's key. Gotcha. So um, what what's kind of the first steps? Because this is a massive yeah. vision, right? And yeah. I think there's two things that in this, you know, high tech space that are often run counter to progress. First mm -hmm. is, is UX, right? Because the tech sounds yeah. great, but can people actually use it? Can real world people actually get their hands in and, you know, use it without yeah. bugs yeah. and without, you know, being overwhelmed or confused mm -hmm. by the, the jargon. And then two is just like, functionally, is it is it solving a problem or does it run counter to a system that would mm -hmm. not want it to succeed? What steps are you taking to roll this out and functionally gain traction and, and real world use cases that are both economically feasible and also mm -hmm. socially feasible. Yeah. So, so the first part of the question, like, does this really work in the real world? Well, I think we at least have one good data point, and that is the story of my daughter and I. Um, the honest answer is yes, this works. Um, does this work scalably? We, we, we are. The approach we're taking is, let's launch Knowledge AI. We're going to launch Knowledge. Well, it's launched now. Uh, let's help educators rapidly produce bite-sized e-learning. As we do that, let's work with learners around the world to gather use cases very similar to my daughter and I. You know, these are these are kids who want to solve a particular problem. Well, let's help them solve that particular problem. Let's help learners uh, learners all around the world solve solve particular problems, and and build um, valid uh, stories around those because it, it's it's um, and and then we and then we release knowledge graph and protocol at the end of the year. So so we want to we want to take it step by step. Um, we think this can be used both within traditional education, but also more and more outside of traditional education, especially for uh, for example, kids in refugee camps where 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 this all you know started off. Um, we th we think that this set of tools can be used across the board. What does success look like for you here in in this year? Yeah. So, is your success number of users, number of teachers, number of you know programs or classes? I guess created. Mm -hmm. What does success look like for you right now? 
success is all tied to those those three points I mentioned. Can we help you find things that you want that you are interested in, right? Can we can we explore that? Can we help you find those things too? Can we help you become a master at that? So and that and that we track through the protocol. And then three, can we help you do something real with what you just learned? And that is again done through the protocol. So it's tying tying those three points directly into the success metrics. Those are three points we want to we want to achieve. Cool. By the way, what AI are you using to power this initial tool? Is it is it the OpenAI API or is it kind of something we, more proprietary? Yeah. Yeah, you, we use multiple different models, including okay. OpenAI. Uh, we have our own data sets. We have quite specialized data sets. Um, two of our co-founders have generated uh, or have created previous AI companies. These, I mean, th- these are these are folks really really into um, into AI and into these these models. So. They've got a ton of models that they've been working on in the background over the last ten years. Well, not ten years, but 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 four or five years. So there's it's it's a big mix. Gotcha. And I, the reason I ask that is as another business owner in the space, you know, I think one of the things you'll see with whether it's a blockchain company mm-hmm. or an AI company is, hey, a lot of this code's public, and a lot of these tools are meant to be, you know, user empowered and, and user owned. Yeah. And not such a, in a way where, you know, Facebook could kind of control and make all the rules, mm-hmm. you know, as a business owner, and you've done this, this isn't your first rodeo. How yeah. do you see this new wave of tech that is supposed to be, you know, lower cost, user centric, mm-hmm. playing out as a viable business? And, and how do you make it proprietary and, and so that, you know, someone else can't just pop up and make the next knowledge, mm-hmm. knowledge AI or so have you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that's an important point because we need to make sure that this is sustainable. Um, so we need to make sure it's sustainable. the The current approach we are looking at uh, doing is actually um, it actually ties into to my whole philosophy, uh, and that is we need to make sure that that this is also community owned in the long run. Uh, we need to make sure that the people that are contributing to the network, to the knowledge graph, and to the protocol are actually able to 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 be part of the uh, of this entity, uh, the way we're doing that at the moment, and this is this is still in discussions with with various folks. But the approach is, we need to raise we need to raise significant resources in the short term. Um, we are generating revenues, so it could come from revenues, it could come from investment. If we raise investments, that requires us to 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 um, um, to respect the 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 wishes of the investors to achieve X bit of return, right? As soon as we eat, we reach that X bit of return, the company then moves and transforms into a public benefit, um, um, or at least part of the part of the the structure moves to a public benefit. What that allows us to do is it allows us to one um, uh, earn revenues through a profit model, two raise funds through a VC model, but three, still make this a community-run project because the community understands these terms right from the start. They know that we are for-profit, they know we have investors, but they also know that if we hit this X return on investment, then suddenly the the, the company, they can have an ownership in that company. So everyone's aligned. The the community's aligned to hitting that X return on investment, the investors are aligned, the employees aligned, everyone's aligned to the success of the company, and eventually it becomes it becomes community owned. I think that type of structure is is important. Uh, we want to make sure that the learners and the experts that make this work 
have value, uh, can, can get value out of the system in addition to it being uh, quite a useful tool in the, in the short to medium term. You, you mentioned you have revenue. Just quick question. Uh, if I'm a student or a teacher and I want to start using this product, how much do I got to pay or kind of how does this work? Um, so, so we are figuring out pricing in the next two weeks. Uh, you'll be able to pay for Knowledge AI on a subscription basis. Uh, but know that Knowledge AI is, is, a, is a tool that's mainly geared towards teachers or instructional designers who need to rapidly generate e-learning content. So it's not a learner-centric product. Knowledge AI is not a learner-centric product. The, the learner-centric product is uh, that of um, Knowledge Graph and Protocol, which are being launched at the end of the year. Gotcha. So two questions, rapid fire to wrap us up here. Yeah. The first question is about students. So we have student listeners. They are builders, somewhat mm -hmm. in the blockchain space, but you know, really of anything. If they want to work for a company like yours or build their own tools that have AI or blockchain technology embedded in them, what would your recommendation be for them to get started or to start either learning or working in the space? Yeah. So I would, I would use the approach of, of manually generating a graph for yourself. You know, what is your goal? What do you want to do? Do a few Google searches, search for what, what it is that you're required to learn to get to that point, break it up into small little bite-sized components. That's important. Don't try to, don't try to, to boil the ocean, just take it one step at a time. And then, and then, you know, look at the content, but very importantly, content is only going to teach you about 20% of what you need to learn. You need to interact with other people doing that same thing as well as other experts, right? So, so reach, so let's say you you part of what you're doing is you need to learn Rust uh, or you need to learn how to build a smart contract. Well, go, reach out to people building smart contracts. Go look at some of the smart contracts on GitHub. Go ask them questions. You know this this isn't the end goal of what you want to do, but if you reach out to those those people actually building this, you're going to learn a lot more than the content can can provide. In addition, reach out to experts. Reach out to them on Twitter. Reach out to them on LinkedIn. Just ask them ask them relevant questions, and I think that's important. Make sure that if you ask them questions, make sure that it's a that it's a short question that they can easily answer. Um, um, don't don't come to them with vague questions. Make sure it's it's really concise, very structured questions. But you'll be surprised how quickly you can learn. And and I'm sure your students already the, your student listeners are already doing much of that. For sure. And last question, skeptics. If for people that say, you know, these are just buzzwords or mm. they don't really get it. They're like, oh, you're trying to replace mentors or, you're, oh, you're trying to get rid of teachers. What would you say to them? And, and what would you say about the future of education and AI interacting? Yeah. So so currently in education, $1.5 trillion is being spent on bloat, which doesn't directly impact learners or teachers. This is a tremendous amount of bloat. Um, what we're doing is here is we want to focus on learners and experts. Let's empower them. Um, is this a buzzword? Like, hell no. This works in refugee camps. This works for my daughter. Like, like traditional educational approaches aren't going to reach these kids, uh, the majority of kids in the world who don't have access to, to quality schooling. Like, like, we need to get over this. Like, current educational system is failing us. We need solutions. Currently, there's 600 million kids who don't have access to quality education. There's 250 million kids who don't have access to education, period. We are not solving this problem. There's no solution to these kids today. And if, if we continue on the current path, there's only going to be a solution in 45 years. It's going to take 45 years for us to build enough schools and train enough teachers to reach these three, 250 million kids. That is not the answer. You know, we need an answer today. These kids deserve an answer today. And this solution can provide one of those answers.
is is my is my response. Wow. Yeah. Well put. So wrapping up, anything you want to promote or anything you want to shout out? Yeah. If you if you want to learn more, the the product is knowledge.io. Uh, well, the web sorry, the website is knowledge.io, and it's spelled the way I would spell it because I'm dyslexic. So it's 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 knowledge n o l e j dot i o. So n o l e j dot i o. Awesome. Well, hopefully I'll see you on Discord on the Ed3 uh, DAO yeah, channel. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Jake, really good to speak to you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Bodo as much as I enjoyed talking with him. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, please shoot me an email at jake at educoinapp.com. Again, thank you to our sponsors and thank you to Aludiba for giving us the music for this show. Thanks for listening. Keep building. And remember, we're stronger together.